And welcome back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To the show. Yep. Um, people across the world. This is FIF Podcast. My name is Shake. And I'm Lasagna. And let's do it. All right. So, the final epilogue. The final epilogue. The epilogue to end all. The, the, it's finally the epilogue to end all epilogues. Oh, is this um, that what epilogue means? Um, yeah, it's probably going to be my last show. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah think it's time to leave the party while i'm still having fun mm. um maybe we'll come back and do some very special episodes or something mm. but yeah that folks you heard it here first we're getting divorced <laughs> um yeah it's cheaper to keep her everyone knows that yeah but you know maybe i'll just you know maybe this is like a Nicki minaj type moment for me and um or a Mike Jordan i'm moment. retiring or jay-z moment Really, anyone who retires. Well, Michael Jordan left and, and did baseball. Oh, and then he came back. Maybe I'll leave the podcast, do gardening, and then be terrible Start at that. Start a gardening YouTube channel, be terrible, then come back to podcasting. Yeah. And then that'll also be terrible when you come back. You'll have like a, another co-host that's not as good. But I'll still be Michael Jordan, though. Then they, they, they're still Michael Jordan. <laughs> You're still Mike. Yeah. You're still number 23. Well, no, yeah. he was 40-something on the Wizards. Did Never they, mind. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like LeBron James is number 23 right now. Yeah. He? Are you 32? I don't know, man. Who cares? I don't know. Who cares about basketball? All right. Let's get into <laughs> it. Okay. Um, really, only a couple of topics that I wanted to talk about. And unfortunately, we kind of talked about them like ad nauseum before the show, which is I try to keep the, the topics on the show. But anyway, so The Watchmen premiered um, this week on HBO standing starring um you know american treasure regina king as the protagonist <laughs> i think her name is like black something it's like oh she's a superhero name it's it, there's some because they have you know when they went around the room they're like panda red, fa- red oh, something she oh, has yeah, a name yeah 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 let's call her black mama for now that's, okay that's kobe bryant by the way um, oh mamba i thought you said black mama because no. she does have two white children or three white children she has more white children than i would have expected her to have um so we'll start with casting for the show <laughs> um oh casting for the first episode uh gets a um nine out of ten and really that only one lost point is because actually i don't really know why i'm like deducting a point because uh, I was pretty, pretty extremely satisfied. There's an actual guy in a panda costume who's the worst or the best, depending on your particular politics. I think panda's going to play a big role. I hope he does. Um, but Regina King and Elle's going to have to help me out on the guy's name because his name is strange. Yeah, uh, <laughs> It's different from um, the kind of names that you probably True, know. It's not Western. Um, I think it's Yamadine. Yeah, yeah, Yamadine. Uh, the second. I know that he's the second. Was it, or is oh. it Mantine? I think it's Mantine is his last. What name. What is his last name? Mantine is his last name. Okay, okay. Um, or also known as a fucked a polar bear to try to get over you, um, is in the movie, and he's great because he's my new favorite black black male actor. Um, and so yeah. And then every and then there's everyone else that's in it for some reason. 
I don't really care about them. Don Johnson's there. Don Johnson? Yeah, the guy from Miami Vice, the white guy from Miami Vice. He's the, the sheriff. Or- oh, the, poli- the police chief? Yeah. Oh. Well, I'm not going to spoil anything, but yeah. he's the police chief. Voice um, of an angel. Cool. And he's in it. And he's there, too. Um, so, you know, right from jump, we're starting off with a strong, with two strong black leads. And I was just like, all right, cool, cool, cool. But actually, um, <laughs> from the start, it starts off rough. Um I, 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 we're, this is going to be a spoiler. This is going to be a spoilery episode because I can't really discuss any of the salient points without spoiling some 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 parts. So, um, if you haven't watched The Watchmen, uh, watch The Watchmen and then come back and you can listen to our show or not. I don't give a shit. Um, but the show starts off with the bombing of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you don't know about the bombing of Tulsa, Oklahoma, definitely pause this shit, Google that shit, and then come back. Or don't. I don't give a shit. Um, and wow. Talk about being triggered. Like, I, I'm i in a space in my life where I'm not really... I don't really... Like, I didn't watch When They See Us because... Not because, um, you know, I didn't think that it was an excellent... Um, pre, pre, you know piece of piece of art but because i just i don't i I don't can't watch black suffering in that type of like i can't watch that much black suffering like it's got to come sudden and unexpected and i'm not like i'm going to voluntarily sign up for it because i just can't do it right now in my life it's not and you know some people might be like oh you can't like turn your head away be like no i think i've watched a lot of it and um you know I i think i'm good and you know it's also real and on TV like every fucking day, so you know the terror is fucking real. So I think I'm good on watching fictionalized versions of it because there's enough real, real, uh, you know, terrorizing black people that goes on every fucking day. So anyway, that's my little get off my soapbox. But anyway, starts off with the bombing of Tulsa, Oklahoma. So super triggering, and I was just like, well, I don't know where the fuck we're going from here because if you've seen the Watchmen the film adaptation of the graphic novel it has nothing to fucking do with black people it might maybe it has something to do with black people but from what i remember it was a bunch of like haughty white superheroes pontificating over the morality of super people in society like in like a like a think piece on whether or not the you know the proletariat had blah 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 it was very cerebral and boring and had nothing to do with black people. <laughs> and so to start off the Watchmen, the HBO series with the Bowman of Tulsa, Oklahoma, I was just like, look, if you've just subjected me to like, like what is one representation and probably the most notable representation of, um, white lash, right? So black people starting their own shit, becoming wildly successful, you know, a sep- you know, being kicked out of society and then creating their own society and then white people are just like, no, we don't want you to have that either. <laughs> you know, we just want you to stop existing. Um, this show better be the most blackity, blackity, black, black show that I've ever blacked in my whole black ass life. Um, cause if it's anything other than that, I'm going to immediately stop watching because you can't just start on that note and then pivot into some, you know, watchman bullshit. And so, 
you know, Regina King is like probably in the very next scene. So I was just like, all right, I'm willing to suspend my outrage to watch Regina King emote for a while. And I did. And um, I was pretty, pretty happy. Um, I don't, it's really, really tough to say what this show is about because there's a lot of shit going on. And I, I, I suspect we'll, we'll start peeling back the onion, but I would say my overall impressions of the first episode was pretty, was, was good. was positive. Like I'm interested to see where they're going to go from here um, because they introduce a lot of different, really, really bizarre elements and it'll be good to see where they tie them all together. Um, I'm going to take a break in a little bit of um, take a breather and drink a little bit of water. So you want to tell the audience what you thought about the show? Um, yeah, unfortunately I did not get the full effect of the opening Tulsa scene because you know, we got our Monday morning quarterbacks that come right in and tell you everything they liked, didn't like, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so I knew that that scene was coming in the beginning. And so I don't know how I would have felt, honestly, had I not known it. I would just, just taken it as I'm seeing it. My mind probably would have been, you know, blown. I probably would have had a, a, a visceral response to it. But in the context of knowing that it was coming, it was more like, okay, how, oh, I know this is coming, but how are they going to tie it to the rest of the story? Because I honestly don't remember much of the Watchmen, the film, and I've never read the, the um, graphic novel. Um, just the, the tiniest uh, like note, and it's like the most random of things. Just that giant Tulsa in the middle of the street in the Watchmen font. I was, I was, I, I, I enjoyed that thoroughly. Like, I don't know, just something about that aesthetic. Just, I was, I just liked it, you know, the graphic of it. Um, and so I hope that that thematically shows up other places. Cause I just thought it was like a, just a dope way of introducing the show and introducing the show in a, I didn't feel like it was capitalizing off of black suffering. I felt like it was contextualizing black suffering. Cause from what I remember of the Watchmen, it is an alternative history you know, if we lived in a world with people with superpowers, a lot of historical events would have turned out very differently. Mm-hmm. And so uh, you are right to remember that there weren't very many black people in the Watchmen film. I don't know if the graphic novel is any different. Please correct me if I'm wrong. But American history is black history. I hate to sound corny or whatever. And so the idea that, you know, black the 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 racial landscape of our country wouldn't be very different if different historical events had changed is preposterous and quite frankly as someone who very much enjoys superhero films sci-fi fantasy films i'm kind of getting sick of just we're just not there like we just literally don't exist there is a balance of our existence it doesn't all have to be suffering but i very much appreciate it like if we're going to talk about an alternate history of america we need to start in some very real things that, you know, literally, you know, very much significantly shaped the landscape of our country. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, the majority of what shaped our country is hard to look at. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was I was here for it. And I was here for the people who were like, wow, I've never heard of this thing. Because I think we've all like... Mm, very few people and, and unless you know i'm sure there are people out there that are like i always knew i came out the womb knowing about tulsa Hoka. There, there was a moment in everyone's life where they had to not know what 
the significance of Black Wall Street was, and then they knew. Um, and so I'm not gonna like get on my soapbox and be like, well, you dumb niggas didn't never read no fucking books before because there was a moment in my life where I had never heard of it. And then I knew what it was. Um, and they've only recently within the past like 20 years uncovered certain artifacts and they have, they now have photographs of it. Um, and those have only been recently uncovered. So unless you are from Tulsa and, you know, or unless you are old enough to remember, a lot of people don't know what it is. And I, and I don't knock anyone for not knowing. And I'm glad that people know now. Um, mm. and I, and I will say this before I get off my soapbox. It's not an isolated event. <laughs> um, and it's, it, it, as horrific as it was, one of the most, significant things I learned when I watched um this is we're, we're getting there don't worry I'm getting back to it um I watched four little girls the documentary um Spike Lee did about the bombing of uh of um that church in Mississippi and the church that got bombed they called that area Dynamite Hill because the Klan was constantly terrorizing people and blowing up people's homes and that church it was not the first time that church had been targeted so when you hear about these like you know wild events of just terror you know these things are not happening in in, in isolation there's a re very much a real context to all of this mm-hmm. and so i'm glad we 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 are actually rooted in very real american history if we're gonna go there and try to jump off of that. You can't tell an alternate history unless you're grounded in some kind of actual knowledge of real history. Um, as far as that's the, the artsy fartsy side of the show, as far as how it works as like a superhero alternative history, it's, I guess it has some sci-fi elements. It's very, it takes place at night. We're in 2019 in the show. And so it's like our world, but a little different because it has the alternate history piece of it. But also, um, there's some sort of interdimensional breaches are happening and just, uh, the, you know, the cops are cops, but not quite cops. And so there's a lot of very familiar things, but taking things that are familiar and kind of just turning them on their ear a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, which that's my favorite type of sci-fi because, you know, like, you know, Black Mirror is one of my favorite shows where it's like, this is very familiar to me. It's almost nostalgic, but it's also giving me like, cause so it's, it's telling you like this shit can really happen. Like this is our very near future if we don't navigate these roads very properly. And so we're living in a world where, um, due to a certain level of terror that has happened, cops now hide their identities and you can't tell anyone that you're a cop. And the the show, I I really kind of want to see how they flesh that out before I, I I make like a a solid decision on how I feel about it because literally I just saw a think piece that was like, you know, you start with the Tulsa race riots, but then you get people are kind of scared that it's getting into like copaganda territory. But I'm willing to give it at least a couple of episodes to flesh that idea out because I am curious. Um, Regina King is a boss. When I first heard Regina King was in the show, I thought, okay, she's playing some sort of familiar character, but, you know, instead it's like a black woman and, you know, maybe she'll die on the first episode. I don't know <laughs> because I have gotten the bait and switch so many times with our, you know, actors and actresses that I really enjoy and stuff. And, you know, like, oh, they were in it for like 10 minutes or da da da. But she seems to be 
the main character, at least yeah. in the first. I don't know if it's one of those shows that's going to switch I mean, that perspectives. That would be an immediate cancel for me. Um, but <laughs> a hard nope out of there. I'm like, assuming right, if we're right. starting here that she is the main character. She's got this mysterious past. She's fucking kicking ass. I don't think I've ever seen Regina King in an action role before. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the next logical thing to add to her resume because you know she's done Oscar award winning films. She's done comedy. She's done animation and so i i feel like this is right up her alley um looks great sounds great i i'm here for a show where i literally have no idea what direction they're taking i thoroughly enjoyed the idea that um which once again not that familiar with the graphic novel don't remember the movie very well but these just this idea that this for all intents and purposes the clan um they're like the seventh calvary or whatever mm-hmm. i think calvary has a k according yeah, to this to the um to the captions but it's the clan is yeah. making a comeback and they are doing it under the banner of the rorschach mask which is an iconic character from the watchman one of the few things i remember from the watchman mm-hmm. and i just i just find that concept to be very interesting um considering you know irl you have so many people who kind of take to the punisher you know and that has become like just an emblem of a certain type of aggression and a certain type of white male yeah and that's not they've taken like literally the worst of that character and said that this is great and that's what makes him a hero and i relate to that and Mm. that is very scary and so the people in this show have done something very similar obviously rorschach is a real person in their world Mm -hmm. but they've taken this symbol of this person who is you know you know literally represents you know black and white you know this unbendable um compass and said he's uh he's lawful neutral i believe is what his uh his thing would be so like regardless of whether or not the the like the ethics of it like are you in the are you in the right or is are you right or are you wrong yeah and so they've taken that and said that that taken it to the most perverted end of the spectrum and said this represents us as white supremacists um i am intrigued yeah see i mean that was a that was a great point actually i didn't even really consider the uh, real world parallels um of that i was more focusing on the f- the fact that okay so like <laughs> i'm not this isn't a weird place i don't think but like you know i have a general distrust of law enforcement for obvious ass reasons <laughs> but i really really like procedural cop dramas because i don't know detectives are interesting <laughs> like detective work is interesting it's just interesting um so like this is like I'm assuming it's going to be something akin to that, but like you know, like you said, they're in this alternate reality where the cops wear masks because the cops are so persecuted and people were like, you know, finding out where they lived and it was it was very dangerous to be a police officer, and that's the part where I was just like, mm, I don't know how I feel about this. Like, what are we what are we trying to say? But I also trust Regina King. Like I don't I don't think she would sign up for some bullshit like it seems like you know you just this is the world that they live in and i don't as as long as the the show doesn't like 
if that's as long as that's not like the main focal point of the show i'm actually i would even be curious as to the events that led up to this particular you like point in time because i enjoy world building so i would like to see where we're going because you know that seems like you know even though the cops wear masks they also need authorization from some other you know like you know proceed like what's the word i'm looking for like neutral party like that's the panda (laughs) to um who is also black and white by the way which is i don't know if you picked up on that um before they can before they can use their firearm like their firearms are literally locked in their car and they have to ask permission and describe the situation and then they can use their firearm which i think is sounds like a no-brainer like that sounds completely appropriate that you would need to first get permission to use lethal force like yeah i I think that's what you need to do i think that's what you need to do in the military also like you can't just run up in a place and start shooting all of a sudden like whoever's in in charge of your battalion and feel free to correct me if i'm wrong you know whoever's in charge of your battalion will issue like a weapons hot uh, order and then you can start shooting but like i don't know but whatever um so I'm thinking it'll become the scale on which things are going on will become much larger because this is a, like a show about superheroes. So, and from the previews, you can, there's something greater at stake. But, um, you know, I'm curious. I'm cautiously curious, but optimistic because it's got such a strong cast. Like, you know, I'm very confident that the cast can carry, you know, quite a bit of shenanigans on their back before I would tap out. So I'll be tuning into the Watchmen. Um, yeah, yeah. Sounds good to me. Um, yeah. As far as, you know, I think this is going to, people are very hungry for that, you know, appointment TV that we've lost with game of Thrones. And so I, I, I feel like this is just something pop culturally. I'm going to be want to wanting to be keyed in on. Um, I, I think it was just the first episode was just so jarring that probably maybe by the third or fourth episode, I'm going to have a really good idea of whether or not, because it's like, there's a lot of shows. uh, And this is one of my big pet peeves. I'm just like, is this a good show or is it just really, really violent and gritty? And there's a lot of cursing and it's on HBO. You know what I mean? And so I feel like by the second or third or fourth episode, I'll be able to have a better idea of that because it's like, literally it was right. It reminded me very much of that dear white people episode where everything was reversed (laughs) and you know it took me like literally 15 minutes to figure out all the rules and what was you know like my brain had to like dial in to what was happening and Mm -hmm. then i could enjoy the episode and so i think that that's what that first episode was was like what okay and then the okay and then this white guy is getting pulled over listening to future and then he you know yeah spoiler alert he shoots a black cop and it was like okay okay i'm gonna have to recalibrate everything that i think i know about storytelling because this is very different than what i've been you know the the images that i've seen systematically Mm -hmm. um and that i agree with you too watching tulsa and then seeing a black guy murdered that's a it's a little much you know it was i don't know what who made that decision but it was and i don't know if it comes back later if that's even relevant that it had to be a black cop shot by a white guy mm-hmm. or if you know someone sat down like oh wouldn't that be powerful after showing the t-? and then you know of course it comes full circle by the end of the episode but i just i wonder who made that decision and mm-hmm. why they made that decision because it was uh, it, I just you know we're, we're we're in a world where we talk about intent versus impact and the impact i don't know if the if the impact was the same as their intent or they were intending to be like, we're just going to piss the people the fuck off with this. Yeah. <laughs> I just hope that they 
don't make um, the clan. They, they, there is some greater meaning behind them casting the clan as the villain because otherwise it's just pokes pokes black people in the eye for no reason yeah you know because the clan's an easy target like mm-hmm. you're like of, of course, course yeah. we, ki- we shoot nazis we shoot nazis in every video game ever created like we shoot space nazis and zombie nazis and nazi nazis and, like, and yahtzee nazis yeah so it's just like we play dice like, with them sure like yeah we shoot at nazis like that's a that's a no-brainer but like it, it just like you, you don't 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 tap into like a very very don't don't poke a, a hornet's nest or that's not the right right terminology but don't 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 put salt in a wound and yeah. then not use it in some type of meaningful way yeah and then it call spins, it art it, yeah <laughs> this spins out into something non sequitous to what they started the show with i'm gonna be angry so yeah i respect that i completely i'm, I'm right there with you um, but I, I do, I have a, I have a little bit of faith. Um, I'll use this time to remind people that HBO was trying to do this alternate Civil War history show with the, um, what is the name? They're, they're, I think that they call themselves D&D, the creators of Game of Thrones. And we shut that shit the fuck down. And so <laughs> HBO don't make us shut the sh- shit the fuck down. Yeah. Um, but yes, I'm with you. I'm cautiously optimistic and I have nothing better to do. And we have HBO Go. So guess what I'll be you watching keep, keep Monday evening. HBO Go is what you're trying to say. How many months will we forget to cancel? Mm-hmm. It's too late this month. Let's cross our fingers for November. Um, okay. So you went to a very, uh, a very interesting. It's called a TED Talk. <laughs> it's not a TED Talk. Nobody named Ted was there. Yeah, no one named Ted was there. You went to a very interesting talk, so why yeah. don't you tell the audience? Yeah, I think it actually directly relates to what we were just talking about. Yeah. Um Coates is on his promotional tour for his uh, debut novel, The Water Dancer. And uh, he was um, on a um, doing a discussion at a, a local venue, and so I went to go check him out. And uh, the theme was, it was... I think it was called Legacies of Emancipation, and it was talking, you know, emancipation meaning the freedom of black people um, from bondage. And it was Tanahasi, but also a um, a, a historian from, um, I, I can't think of her name off the top of my head, but she's a very important historian that works in, you know, academia and things. And uh, the talk was moderated by the local director of our local Civil War Museum, and um it was very and I, I have not read the water dancer yet i've read the first couple of chapters i'm very eager to read it i've heard amazing things about it but um it was kind of just setting up this idea of what is black freedom and what does it look like and there was an agreement of all the panelists and all the people that spoke that we won't know, you know, you don't know where you're going until you know where you came from and just getting that history right. And that's kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about uh, this opening scene of The Watchmen, because there is uh Ta-Nehisi was talking about how um, he wrote this book. The book takes place during slavery and um, he was doing research about the book and he was just like, it was just so jarring to him that the south lost but the south gets portrayed as this you know heroic romantic gallant you know oh the it was gone with the wind and you know this you know uh, you know this 
this, you know, epic tale that gets told. Um, and that seeps into all types of media and really informs our culture as Americans, not just, you know, you go from the South, but then just in general, just, you know, you have the white savior and all these different tropes that, that have unfolded in in our society. And, um, the importance of like really getting that story right and getting that narration right even in a world where people feel really bogged down and feel really like okay another slave story oh my god okay i want to see the harriet tubman movie but i don't really want to see slaves anymore but i'm just like how many slave movies have actually gotten it right like you know one of the best movies of the last 20 years has been 12 years of slave and even that movie in the last 15 minutes they're like nope we gotta have brad pitt come through and save everybody you know what i mean i think benedict cumberbatch he didn't save anybody well <laughs> still there were so many like good good guy white guy slave owners in that movie um, i was like what who are these fucking if people? you think Get benedict cumberbatch is, is a good guy come holler at still, me because he is still he is um, i'm not trying to argue with you i'm just saying that is white people mm-hmm. <laughs> you're an exceptional negro mm-hmm. but i just can't free you yeah. um and then, uh the uh, woman that was on the panel with Tanahasi, uh she was talking about that centering black people in their own narratives and not this idea of you know a white savior or you know the idea that you know black people were freed by the emancipation proclamation or abraham you know abraham lincoln the great emancipator when you know years before the civil war black people were self-actualizing there were free black people in the north that owned businesses and were educators and writers there were free black people in the south who bought their own freedom who ran away for freedom who bought their families freedom um and we're only just now like within my lifetime after i've done with public school are scratching the surface of getting to hear those stories and tell those stories um the idea that you know well you know uh the the woman that was the professor that was on the panel she is an indian woman from india immigrated from india and she you know the first thing she said she heard was you know you came here and you were success. I, I don't know why black people can't do it. You know, we have so many immigrants that come here and, you know, are able to do X, Y, Z thing. And so really just trying to challenge all of those narratives. And really the crux of it all is that at every turn of self-determination, self-actualization, there has been a very insidious, intentional, systematic terrorizing of black people um from the actual terrorism of groups like the Ku Klux Klan to you know just the uh the gutting of you know certain protections and, and legal rights and, all the way up to the election of Donald J Trump uh we also yeah we we touched on that a little bit but um this is, you know, this goes way, way back. And if you went way, way, way back, then the existence of DJTJ, ratings machine, Trump and stuff would absolutely not shock you at all. You'd be like, but of, of course, course you're, they're going to do that. This is, this is the standard reaction. Um, they're also trying to, um, uh, the director of the Civil War Museum, who's actually a black woman, which is bad on lasagna because that surprised me. Um, was just like 
the most important thing we're trying to do right now is get reconstruction right because a lot of you know, a lot of people you know when you're in public school you know you you learn up slavery bad i think that's something that we can both agree like okay i was taught that slavery was bad and you know people were enslaved they were brought from africa you know we had a war some people might debate what the war was about but the war was definitely about slavery then they then the slaves are free and then blah, 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 blah. then martin luther king showed up you know um so uh you know there's this whole period that not a lot of people are aware of and not that many people are really interested in, in looking back at and studying mm-hmm. but it's actually a very fascinating part of our history because for everyone that says you know you know black people don't value education or we are you know ignorant to our past or we don't do this or we don't do that blah 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 there was a period right out you know we have the slaves are free and then all of a sudden they immediately start self-actualizing they immediately are starting businesses and selling produce and things like that and they're immediately running for office and actively participating in this democracy and um getting elected that's when you have like this whole rash of you know the first black such and such to be elected to such and such to such and such and such and such. And then it's just like, okay, we need to stop these niggas from voting because they're starting to actually, you know, make important decisions and we can't have that. And so you have this entire white lash and reconstruction is basically abandoned. And, uh, you have this, you know, you know, you have poll taxes and, uh, literacy tests and all of these things and, you know, active disenfranchisement. And quite frankly, you know, that's why a lot of black people, you know, that legacy, you know, makes black people not want to participate in it. Cause like when we participate, you guys cheat and lie and steal mm-hmm. and actively terrorize people. And mm-hmm. you, you wonder, you know, this, you know, Brie Newsom says, you know, the tire factory is going to make tires. It's working as intended, you know, and it's, it's very frustrating to talk to people who aren't aware of those things. Mm-hmm. And so it was, it was, it was quite delightful. Um, there needs to be a word for when you meet someone that you admire and they are everything that you thought they were going to be. They should be a word for when that you meet someone that you admire and they are a complete asshole. But <laughs> Tanahasi was everything that I saw on Meet the Press. I thoroughly enjoyed him. Um, I'm very much looking forward to reading this book. I'm very much looking forward to, you know, I, I often go back and read, uh, like the case reparations and you know between the world and me is, is still amazing but i'm 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 intrigued into how he translates his vibe into an historical fictional novel about slavery um i did not get to get my questions asked i wanted to ask him about the watchman actually and we didn't have time for that uh but i am curious as to um a man of his politics you know what made what drew him to a slave narrative and so probably by the time i finish reading the book i'll be like oh that's yeah, that's interesting um but good stuff and it's always great to get energized into that because the day-to-day grind of like working and living around a majority of white people wears you down and so i like to go to events like that where i can feel the energy and the mood in the room shifting the culture you know and so it was it was very exciting and i was very excited to go Mm. very cool yeah that was a really neat experience i know tanahasi has been an inspiration to you as a writer and content maker and um 
politician and historian. I wish he was an inspiration. He just makes me want to like ball up all of my writing and throw it in the trash, though. I mean, like, if you didn't have like rivals, like, how would you get stronger? Yeah, true. You know? True. How would you be better than the day you were yesterday if you weren't the yesterday you? You know what I'm saying? Um, no, I don't. But yeah, cool, cool story, bro. Well, you, you that's that's what happens when you're your only rival. Oh, okay. Yeah. So you know, like people like me don't have actual rivals. You're so. Oh, okay. I forgot that Baby Boo Part Two is her only rival. <laughs> she just let everybody know. Wow. Okay. I think we should probably wrap it up then all that right. sounded juicy all right um <laughs> did you want to do any like one last instagram ask we can question do one instagram gonna, ask question i was trying to think the one to end all instagram questions yeah make it a good one okay i was trying to think of like one oh she wasn't done really great um <laughs> <laughs> like tidbit um someone asked about evictions and building generational wealth and you know how Black people have been, you know, barred from housing and, and things like that. And he just said, we need our reparations. He was like, it needs to be in cash. And uh, because he said, you know, literally, you know, he, he I love if you've never read Tanahasi Codes, read the case for reparations because it pre- perfectly encapsulates his writing style. But real quick case for reparations that he, he brought up. Um, black people were free um after the civil war we're no longer enslaved after the civil war i put it that way and expected to pay taxes and those taxes were taken and those resources were dispersed amongst majority white people um to the point where a poor white person is more likely to live amongst rich white people and a poor black person is um, more likely to live around other poor black people. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those resources get concentrated into wealthy neighborhoods and those wealthy neighborhoods stay wealthy. Those poor neighborhoods just get poorer and poorer mm-hmm. and to the point where um, generate uh, uh, the net worth between a black family, a uh, white family to a black family is 20 to one today. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was just like, basically, you know, the United States government stole from us. Mm-hmm. That's he's like that's called robbing, uh, when you take someone's tax money and you put it into schools that you're legally not allowed to go to, mm-hmm. and that's, that's not just okay. Stealing. That's just regular old stealing. Yeah, and you know they put the Japanese people in like an internment camp. There's not a shot of Japanese people for like a couple weeks. <laughs> it was not weeks. <laughs> okay, let's not even go there. <laughs> and they got reparations. All right, I'm sorry. I'm sorry, Japanese people. It was a longer time than that, but it wasn't 300 something years. Sorry. No. Um. Well, they, well they, they they did bring up um Germany because um uh, the the professor that was there was just like, well, Mr. Coates, because he was like, you know, they need to acknowledge what they did wrong and they um need to pay us. Yeah. And uh, um, the professor that was there was just like, that's the reason that the reparations in germany after you know um the holocaust were so effective is because germany actually really went through a lot of effort to acknowledge what they did Mm -hmm. and were you know it was a very heartfelt apology that the german government gave the jewish people apology like a couple years ago i think from the black president from the black president why do we have our black ass president apologize to black america for slavery like nigga you don't have to apologize (laughs) you was there 
right. Anyway. Um, if Donald Trump and George Zimmerman were both drowning, Ooh. who would you save? <laughs> I would save my fucking breath. <laughs> it would be Don't hold your breath. It would be hard to save my breath because I would be laughing so hard and doing the biggest praise dance you have. I don't even like really believe in God, but if George Zimmerman and Donald Trump were like they not only were drowning, but like you know that thing, you know how like when you're drowning and you can swim, you're not supposed to like try and save a person unless you're like an actual lifeguard because you'll mm-hmm. end up both drowning. Mm-hmm. They sh- were doing that to each other, like <laughs> panic drowning each other. I would be literally laughing so hard and and literally doing a praise dance because I cannot imagine Jesus coming through in a bigger way. <laughs> <laughs> the big homie Jesus. Wow. All right. Um, that has been our show. Um, maybe <laughs> the, the end. Maybe we'll come back after the dot, Watchmen's dot, dot. over. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. I just want to. I want to. I want the freedom to say I can walk away from it, even mm-hmm. if we do end up coming back. And I don't want to do it without saying goodbye. Because saying goodbye is something that's very important to me. No. So if you'd like to say goodbye to us, you can do so at the FIF Podcast on the Twitters or the FIF Podcast at Gmail dot com. And um, if like this is like the sound waves going out, and like the year is like you know twenty two you know, thousand three hundred, and you have gills and um a cybernetic arm and you're listening to this um i'm really sorry we, we really fucked this up we really screwed the pooch on this planet oh yeah it's it's probably we're doomed uh peace bye <laughs> <laughs>